You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Welcome back to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Romza. And today I have a very special guest. He was the first person that I've ever uh, went to that stuck things inside of my body and I actually enjoyed it. He was my first acupuncturist, traditional Chinese medicine guy when I was training a lot of jiu-jitsu in New York. And he has since then, we've reconnected and he's went from being an acupuncturist to a shaman to a mystic. And he's essentially on the journey of the soul and how to connect with it. So I'd like to welcome a very special guest, Paul K. Alexander. Welcome, brother. Ah, uh, Rome, thank you so much. And hello to all the listeners. Uh, on a personal note, Rome, I'm, I'm very happy from the heart to have reconnected and to hear all about the wonderful things you've been doing. And so happy to, to hear your voice again, brother. Yeah, it's... Oh, man, the pleasure is truly mine. So, I mean, we're just going to jump right into it. Like, I have a lot of questions for you that I'm genuinely curious about myself. And, um, yeah, hopefully the listeners' uh, curiosity will be piqued inside of their souls as well. So you're a healer. Um, That's at least your foundational pillar that I'm aware of, yes? Uh, that's a loaded question. We can get into it right there, Roman. To yeah. answer your question, um, when we met, it must have been it must have been ten, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, yeah. uh, eleven actually. But um, when we met, yes, I would have defined myself and my 
professional commitments as a, as a healer via the modality of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. But uh, at this stage of the journey, I wouldn't classify myself as that. And the reason why is when people come to see me or I would like to think any kind of therapeutic endeavor, there's nothing wrong with them, right? So whenever you use that word healer, it implies that there's a disease, there's something out of balance, there's a sickness. And um, I'm come to terms with a lot of contemplation, inquiry, and meditations that know, you know, people that are, are kind of charged with helping people, I guess what the word we use, heal, know our, our true obligation is helping them reconnect to the truth of who they are, what they are, and why they are here. Consequently, as a result, though, yes, healing, it takes place in whatever form needed for that to take place. Sometimes it's an enhancement of the presentation. Sometimes it's death. Sometimes it's miracles. But the definition of um, healer is not something I, I, I identify with anymore because I think that, um, especially with acupuncture, it can go so much deeper than that if we lose the identity and labels that we kind of associate it with. I fucking love it. Way to start with some fire, bro. <laughs> it's actually something I was thinking about. I was talking to my mother earlier and um, my whole life, I had this really big like punch in the gut this morning during a really deep meditation. And um, when I came to, it was um, my whole life. People have asked me, are you this or are you that? You know, and they want me to answer right away and they want me to stick to it. Mm. And what I realized is I'm that and that. Yes. I am that and that. Yes. Like I'm on a fucking really long highway and I, I really enjoy getting off the exits. <laughs> like I really enjoy getting off the exits. There might be a beautiful girl there. There might be beautiful, like amazing, tasty food. Yep. There might be amazing nature. But in reality, it's just an exit. And if I start to over-identify with that exit, then I became, become like where I came from. We had like neighborhood kids. They weren't very cultured. Uh, they were very like crude because they were this and not that. Right. And I was that. So I know I come I come from wisdom in that in that uh, arena. So, yeah, it's a, it's a long road. So what exit are you? Were you at currently or in between which exits on this journey of self-realization maybe or connection? Beautiful. Yes, it's a beautiful question. And I would call it uh, the journey home, a la Ramdas, yes. because um, it's, uh, I know it's linguistics here, but it's not, it's not actually going back or exiting. For me, it's returning. The Chinese have this term called hui. Hui means to return. We have to return to that to our home, to their, that which we came from. But in order to return, first we have to go out and we have to take all these exits and we have to fully experience life. So where I'm at personally is uh, I've been on this journey to transcend the role of, of acupuncturist slash healer. I, I, uh, three or four years ago, I was initiated into this um, amazing study of Taoist shamanism, which what that's about is ultimately can you transcend judgment? Can you leave the arena of good and bad, uh, right and wrong, and enter a different way of thinking that everything that shows up is meant to be fully experienced and, and lived so that you can expand consciousness, so that you can complete something that needs to be completed this incarnation? From there, after a lot of um, realizations and pain and awakening. And yeah. cool stuff too. It's I'm at the uh, the next phase of that, which, from the Taoist perspective, we go from shaman next to 
the philosopher slash mystic. And the way they differentiate that is the philosopher is interested in knowledge. They're interested in deepening the knowing. Got to know, got to know the information capacities. And it's beautiful because the deeper you go in the knowing, you begin to lose your mind. You begin to lose that sense of intellectual intellectualism, the left brain orientation. Um, and you get to this ground of being where it's empty and you realize you know nothing. Um, I love that path. It resonated strongly in my younger days, but I've chosen more the path of the mystic where um, the mystic says that uh, faith, things like faith, it, it's for cowards. It's for the, the mediocre where the mystic wants to fully get in there and experience. Give me, the, give me those mushrooms. Let me see what that does. I don't care what you tell me it did. I want to experience it. Like, Shoshin. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the path of the mystic is is more direct experience to get to the same conclusion that the shaman and the philosophers want to get to. And that is the empty state, the home, the nothingness, the no thingness. The space of everything and the space of nothing. And everything in between. That's exactly it. The zero point. Yes. Yes. I love it. So now, all right. So now I'm going to ask you some human questions. Um, no, these are very important questions for me, right? Because um, everybody's on a different, uh, one, diff- completely different journey. Um, two is like, this is where the religions fuck it up. I feel like sometimes I feel like, I mean, or maybe they don't fuck it up. But for humans, I think they fuck it up because they say that this is the experience. You have to experience this. And the way to experience this is through this. But the problem was that that was one man's experience. That's correct. Absolutely. And now, and now we're getting lost where we believe that the finger pointing to the moon is actually the moon. That's right. No, the cross is just um, like when you go to national parks, they have like those things where it's like you're going the right way. <laughs> you figure out the path, you know, but like you're going the right way, like or there's no fucking markers. Uh, yes. And I, I can equate that from a health paradigm. We've got all these different notions as to what's healthy. So the AMA standard is, okay, we all got to sleep eight hours a day, right? So we're told that. The philosopher says, okay, we got to sleep eight hours a day. So the mystic goes, do I? Right? So they, they will stay up and not sleep an entire day and say, okay, no, I, yeah, life sucks if I don't sleep. Or they, they sleep for 14 or 15 hours. They stay in bed all day, all night, right? So... Uh, it goes back to how does it work for you? It's through direct experience that wisdom is attained, right? So from a health perspective, when we got all these notions that we need our blood markers to be this way, we need to be taking this levels of vitamin D, that's that's pretty much a pattern that is uh, consistent with the majority. But we've got a lot of um, outliers, free outliers, free thinkers, um, above average people that can succeed with uh, less than what uh, average people need right so it really comes down to and what you're we're studying about religion experience it for yourself man like really what does it mean to you right so the sufis have this notion of um the the uh the jihad the holy war so what does that mean you know you get these fundamentalists that went into it uh hardcore saying okay the holy war means let's get back our lands let's get the jews out and we'll take back our lands that's a literal interpretation i highly doubt the 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 founding fathers of the religion or spirituality wanted uh, to kill their fellow human being, but they took it and interpreted it literally versus the true jihad, the true holy war. It's happening internally inside our yes. brains. 
right? just like so, the Bhagavad Gita, just like every other yes, like finger yes. that's ever pointed to this direction. Yes. Like we have lost our way. Like we're lost in the desert. And, you know, it's like we're trying to find markers, but they're buried under the sand. Oh, it's buried. It's, 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 it's actually literally brainwashed. You know, I, I'm not I'm by no means a conspiracy theorist, but if we look at uh, the world around us right now, I mean, it's it's not coincidental that here we are in this really tense time of a global shutdown. Yeah, we've lost our way. And, and you know, Mother Earth and the universe has this really uncanny ability saying, okay, you guys are lost. Here's a time to go inward. Go inside and find your way again. But yes, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I love it. It's funny that you mentioned the sleep thing. Last night, um, I my spirit felt so uh, ascended. Not my soul, but my spirit. Like that, that vibrating energy yeah. inside of me that knows no bounds except this skin. Um, and it was like, no, you're not sleeping. Because I go to sleep at like 8.39, you know. <laughs> I, I was At first, I was like rolling around and tossing. And I went back to the old patterns of like, no, I need to sleep. And I was just like, no, like, dude, I train like 8 to 10 hours a day. I... I meditate for, like, I do all of these things where it's just like, maybe my body's just like, you don't need sleep. So I went downstairs. I did a lot of yoga. I meditated. Um, like, it's just like this night of no sleep. And now I'm running on like an hour of sleep. And I feel just as great, if not better than 10 hours of sleep. So yes, yes. And I love, uh, that's a great segue that uh, I'd love to get into a little bit of uh, my understanding of a differentiation between soul and spirit. Um, I'd, uh, I'd argue respectfully the fact that what you were experiencing is, is actually uh, a communion with your soul. So I love the, um, the Chinese definition of, of the two, soul, which is called Ling in Chinese, and spirit, which is Shen in Chinese, where the soul is this merge of the material form, that's the genetics, the mom and dad, the environment. It's the things that composite the physical aspects, the material aspects. That combines with the immaterial aspects, the shen, the spirits, the breath, the things that can't be touched, but you know it's there, the life force, the prana, right? They combine and it, it creates this, this presentation that we call soul, right? So when we're up at night and we can't sleep, which is, it's a very magical time, um, the, the, this, you're right in that the spirit does come out when the, the mind is able to shut down. And it travels to the various dimensions or it begins to, to self-regulate and discharge uh, trauma or things that need to be processed. But the soul is the governing factor that gives you the compass, that gives you the guiding light as to what you need to do this life. And it could be something as simple as, no, man, you're not going to sleep tonight. You're going to stay up and you're going to figure things out and you're going to be uncomfortable because that's a way to grow. It's like an ayahuasca ceremony. That, that's pretty much <laughs> it. it. It's yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I just feel like I'm in a long ayahuasca ceremony uh, in this life at this point. You know, yeah, it's just it's, like, and that's it. It's we have all those chemical compositions. We have them in our material form, in our makeup. The reason why is if we didn't have them, we couldn't experience all that unique uh, byproducts of taking a substance like that. Meaning that you take something like psilocybin or ayahuasca. Because we already have DMT available in our brain, we have the pineal and the pituitary gland with all the wonderful hormones that can get released. When we take something like a, a psychedelic, it begins to already amplify that which is 
within us, right? What I'm trying to say is while I, I have resourced some of those um, beautiful medicines and, and have experienced some profound realizations, we can get there naturally on our own as well because that which is on the outside is already within us, right? So it's about- 100%. And we connect to that power. 100%, 100%. I mean, it's just like, uh, like the homies live at home. You know, and like the ayahuasca, when, when you drink some ayahuasca, the ayahuasca homies come over and then it's like a fucking party. Psilocybin is the same thing, you know, um, like you already have that shit, you know, it's like. I, I, and it shows you what you need. You know, my experience with the psilocybin, um, you know, I, I went with uh, these two amazing, like I would call them artists or hippies. We went to Woodstock and we chilled and, you know, we did ceremony before we ingested and. They're off like in La La Land, experiencing the bliss and the love of the universe. I'm sitting there like contemplating and connecting with the demon realm, right? I'm like, yes! what, the, what the fuck is this? You know, but yes. because it showed me exactly where I was at and what I needed to work through. And um, yeah, that's been my experience. So it's not always like the, the, the hunky-dory, loving, loving light kind of stuff. It, it's, it's a powerful way to access the shadow, things that are hidden, that is ready to come out and get resolved. Yeah, that, that's been predominantly most of my experiences with all of the medicines. Um, they've been very rarely lovey-dovey because I come there to do work. I don't come there to play. Like, I don't come there yeah. to to mess around. Like, I have complete, like, respect and honor towards the medicine. Yeah. And I sit up, heart open, spine straight. Like, we're not here to see fireworks. We're here to do the work. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, taking... You know, again, having done the shamanic work, I do my best to not judge, but I'll tell you, um, when people take things like that recreationally, it can be dangerous. Well, I've seen clinical yes. cases where people will come to see me and it's classified and diagnosed in Chinese medicine as a Shen disturbance. But uh, from a Western perspective, they get schizophrenic because the spirit leaves, the portals in our brain are open and things can get in there, which leaves you ungrounded as you return. So I think when you go into it with the intention of, okay, show me what I need to see, and you, you have reverence and respect for, the, for the, the product you're using, there's a form of connection that happens where it's very different if you go in there recreationally, just thinking you're going to do this, get high with your friends, and go check out the, the beautiful colors in the park. It's a totally different experience. For sure. You, it's a fucking hammer, you know? You can use the hammer to build a fucking house, or you can be a serial killer. That's right. They're beautiful. I love so, it. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's a great tool, but that's all it is. It's a tool. It's not the way. Exactly. There is no way. Exactly. Okay. So what, like, what led you to this journey? Like what, like, what is the story of Paul? <laughs> Sounds very biblical, actually. Quite biblical. It's, I think it's the journey that we are all on, Rome. I think it's, it's whether we realize it or not, conscious or subconscious or unconscious, it's the process of discovering that, that quintessential question that philosophers ask, who am I? We all, we all want to know and we'll never, ever fully know. We can get bits and pieces of it, but, um, you know, I could bore the listeners and you with the details, but the thing is, it's nothing quite extraordinary. Just like we can hear the, the horrific stories of, of trauma and abuse as I have in my clinic. We can hear the amazing stories of heroism and uh, the heroic journey again in my clinic and friends. But I can say that it was built, my, my journey has been built on pain, but also love and experiencing life to the fullest. But ultimately, it really, it comes down to seeking that question 
you know, who am I? Why am I here? And while I have no idea what the answer is, I have glimpses and tastes. And that's the guiding force as to what me, what life means to me. Like I, I go around and I engage in something and I ask myself, does this make me feel alive? It doesn't even need to make me feel happy or sad. I just want to feel like I'm alive. And that's how I'm conducting my life at this point. I love it. I like think that's that yeah, I think you were hoping for something more intimate. No. Um, I'm kind of, I'm hesitant for that because for a few reasons. One, I don't want to share too much. But two, it's like it's like we started off the beginning. It's not really about me. It's about all of us. And I don't know anyone that hasn't experienced severe trauma or heartbreak. And I don't know anyone that in those same same sentence, those same people that haven't experienced love and, and bliss. It's part of the human experience that we're all here and we're all going to experience it. Some more than others. We're, we're definitely all on different levels of consciousness, that's for sure. But, um, you know, philosophically speaking, biblically, as you said, we're going to get exactly what we need in terms of our life's journey and what we need to experience. It's this sense of trust that whatever is meant to be realized or experienced in our life and our journey, it's going to show up and we're going to have to either bite down hard and, and, and grit through it or we fully embrace it and open up our hearts. And then again, everything in between is going to be experienced. Hundred percent. I love it. I mean, I love it. Yeah, it's you know um, the the heavier the trauma, uh, the more potential for muscles. You know, I, I love that, and I am in complete agreement. Well, more so with that statement ever than ever before in my life and my journey. Um, I love that there is a biblical statement that pain is the great quickener of consciousness, and it's so true. It's, um, you know, whether it's physiologically, we're breaking down muscle fibers, the muscle will grow. When it comes to our spirit, when it comes to our soul, uh, the greater uh, pain that's inflicted is the greatest opportunity for one to realize self-growth and, and all the epiphanies that can come with that. And I don't know why this is, but I haven't found anything that is quite as potent and powerful as pain. It's, it's the greatest teacher. And it's guaranteed. People say like uh, death, death and taxes, but like, that's not true. You could evade taxes, but like, <laughs> but you can't evade death. Right. And uh, trying to. you're right. Then you can't, but you know, when uh, that the pain happens because we're trying to, that's right. That's right. That, that, that's, that's all it is. Like I always thought my life was a wheel of fortune and sometimes I won and sometimes I lost, but then I realized I am the wheel. Beautiful. I am the fortune. I am the player. I am fucking Bob and his beautiful fucking big titted blonde. I am. I'm all of that. I'm that and that, yes. you know, and I get to enjoy all of it. You know? Yes. 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 Poor Bob. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Bob Rome. A hundred percent. I am that, you know, there's a, um, there's a, a Taoist saying that, um, not two, not two, not T-W-O, the number two, because the Taoist is interested in um, transcending duality, right? So we look at, look at the yin and yang and things and we compare it as good or bad, but it's actually not two. If you see the yin yang symbol, it's actually one. We perceive things as this or that, Bob or Bridget, but the fact is we're both, we're all that. So it's, it's mm -hmm. not two, it's all, all it is, it's yeah. everything. Not two, not one. <laughs> all, all of it. All. Yeah, I am that and that. So 
when I met you, you had a clinic. You were practicing jujitsu. I know you were doing some kung fu. Um, what does your life look like now? Like, what are what are the things that immerse your your life right now? Yeah, thank you. It's um, it's I'm in that uh, cocoon state. I think just before the caterpillar melts down, dematerializes in the chrysalis and liquefies, and then it comes out the butterfly. I'm in that stage of um, the cocoon is created. I'm in a chrysalis, and it's definitely um, spurned and provoked by this COVID situation that we're in because professionally before the shutdown, you know, I, I was working as a, an acupuncturist and a shaman, and um, it, it really, really relied on the one-on-one with people. So what this has done is uh, really by by demand caused me to slow down, shut out the external world, and really focus on what's happening internally, like what's what's going on in my in my brain, in my heart that um, gives me a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning that I'm here. Why why are we all experiencing this shutdown uh, globally, and how are we all processing and experiencing it differently? So my day usually looks like if I'm by myself today, I don't have my son or my loved ones. I wake up, I'll do a beautiful, I want to have two hour ashtanga practice. I'll meditate. And then I'll begin the contemplations of, of these questions. Who am I? Like the three questions I always try to, uh, to think about uh, as instructed by my teacher is, who am I? Where am I going? And who's in charge? Right? So I keep that in the forefront of my consciousness, constantly thinking those questions, never coming up with an answer, but letting them tease into my thoughts as I go about the day. And um, as boring as it sounds, that's my day, but I find excitement in that one because everything that I, as a younger guy, that I experience outwardly, I have all those sensations happening internally, right? And then I connect with people I love and clients and patients over the phone. So that's pretty much the day. Um, I've I've returned uh, literally back to those roots of of martial arts. I love, I I started with um, karate and kung fu. So I love how, They've offered an opportunity. I, like with Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai, we gotta we need a partner to kind of roll around and play. But I'm really experiencing movement and exercise in, in a different way. It, it gets intimate with myself as I move. The mind shuts off, and I can connect to that thing that exists that's outside of mind. So I'll spend hours just moving around, seeing what it feels like. I'll do it either constructively, like a form or a kata, and then I'll just I'll connect that way. Right? There's different forms that allow you to really like animal movement forms, feel and embody the certain animal spirits. There's forms that create a connection to heaven, like the Bagua. So connecting to the Tian and the celestial bodies. And then there's forms that connect to the earth and, and make you feel grounded and rooted. And I love those sensations that those arts offer. Um, I miss the physical contact with my fellow brothers, but uh, that'll come in time, I think. So that's pretty much the day. It really, it really right now I'm in this kind of in-between of what's next. Bro, um, I know this sounds crazy, but like I'm inviting you right now to come stay at my house for like a week or something so we can fucking like train and move together. Like, I think it'll be really fun. Like, I like from what you just described, it's like aligned. That's, you know, that's what I do. That's, that's, it, I, I have no doubt. I, I already am in full support of my, my grateful answer. Is absolutely. Yes. I can't wait to see you again in the flesh. I can definitely feel you and your spirit and your soul as we've been connecting on on Facebook and, and our texts and our brief conversation. I can feel you, but uh, to have your physical presence, we, I would love to re, recapture what that was like and see where we're both at. 
But when you speak of these things, um, it's, it's resonance. We're resonating at the same frequency. So I love that. And what I, what I found in my contemplations is that you'll always bring into your life things that resonate and it makes you feel happy and alive. And I've got that with you, but you're also going to bring in things that you're dis- in dissonance with so that you can grow and so that you can feel the pain and discomfort. Destructive of- and destructive. Both. And remember, not two, not two. <laughs> not two, yeah. Well, I do both. You know, I have a constructive practice and I have a destructive practice in my in my life, you know. And they're all the same. It's all the same. It's, there's no it's the difference. Practice. That's what I love. It's not two. The constructive and the destructive, the chaos on the order, it's all one and it gets you to the same place. Exactly. Exactly. They work in synergy. They are, they are synergy. They, whatever, they are all of the words. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's, that's the, the thing. thing. We only use it to describe it to other humans, Maybe but in reality, we can't. And that's, that's exactly it. You know, the Tao Te Ching chapter one says the way that, that can be defined is not the true way. You're exactly right. They're only words. We need the language to kind of get a cognitive relationship and connection with the people we're trying to communicate with, to animate and articulate but the truth is we can have equal amount of profound insight and fun, I would say, just by hanging out and not speaking, you know? So like, let's say here's a, like, um, I'm projecting into the future. I come over, we do our, our work, our inner work, our outer work. And I say, okay, boom, let's spend the next nine hours. We're not going to say a word to each other, but let's begin to cultivate these extrasensory perceptions that we were all bestowed, that the divine bestowed upon us. Um, gifts that none of they've atrophied over time because we rely on the material um, to, to kind of guide us in life. But okay, Rome, let's take nine hours. We're not going to say a word to each other and we're going to look each other in the eye and we're going to feel each other. And I guarantee at the end of those nine hours, Rome, we're going to have a different way of communicating besides the language. And we're going to have this inner knowing like, oh, this guy's hungry. Okay. This guy's got to take a leak. Okay. Oh, he wants to go to bed. Okay. And we know this through the sensation of feeling. And that's the language of the soul. And um, that's one of the projections I have in store for us, my brother. But examples like that, like that's how you can connect deeply. And when you're able to do that, your ability to connect to your fellow human gets gets amplified, but more potent. Your ability to connect to what the Taoists call the factors of heaven and earth. They get truly awakened so that you can experience life more fully. Yeah, a hundred percent. It feels like sometimes I'm speaking to myself. Well, that's, I think that's what I was, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I was just going to ask you because I want to ask myself, um, your relationship with the mats, have you, have you been on the mats? Are you, are you rolling? Do you miss it? Where are you with that in training? Uh, it's funny. It's this funny story because I had my academy in Costa Rica and um, I've developed a very deep and expansive movement practice from training with Ido, from training through primal movements through, I mean, but most, a lot of it is Ido. Like his, his like stuff really like inspired me when I was doing jujitsu because I was like, fuck, like that feels, that looks really healing for my jujitsu. Like that guy looks like he has some sort of flavor that I'm missing in my practice. And then, um, and I've been practicing like his methods. I did an, uh, an internship in Thailand, um, And with like a 10 hour practice, like for five days or something, you know, like our feet were bleeding, like very like Kung Fu, you know, like very Kung Fu. He has a very like Eastern and Western philosophy. And um, and I was able to integrate a lot of that into my practice, uh, mixing that with like my martial arts practice, like boxing. But Jiu Jitsu, um, ever since I closed the chapter on my Costa Rica Academy, I've only trained a few times. But it's funny because all like 
I know jujitsu. Like I breathed jujitsu for 13 years. Like I've given my soul to jujitsu. Like that, that is one thing that I know for sure. And what happened was it was like all the stuff that I was doing, it was like fucking, it was improving my jujitsu without doing jujitsu. So like yesterday I wrote this, I was like, I am jujitsu. Like jujitsu is me. I gave 13 years of my life to her and she gave it back to me. Like I practice life. I don't practice jujitsu anymore. Um, I step on the mats when it's time to step on the mats. I step off the mats when it's time to step off the mats. Um, I, I feel the, the callings. I feel the urges to do different things. And I know when I like every time I would get on the mats and I would take like a six month break, bro, I was significantly better. Yeah. It was crazy. No, I like I've seen it. Yes. I've never I've never experienced it because I had all those injuries before too. Like I didn't know how to pro I started moving when I was a kid, but nobody like taught me the mechanics of moving my body, the the diversity, the yeah. the resilience, the robustness, the anti-fragility of like how do you make your joints uh where they can't be hurt and if they are hurt they're even stronger when they get better yeah so i love it it. that's been like my practice deep i practice now probably i don't know five to eight hours a day six days a week i love how you had that recognition where you took six months off and you're even better and i've I've experienced that myself and and you know the people that i would treat mostly jujitsu guys and girls um they have a very hard time uh, taking those breaks, but when they do, they, like you discovered, oh my God, their 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 training gets so much better, and we've got this mentality that more is better, more is better. But this is no better is better. Better is better. More is not better. Exactly. Faster is not better. Exactly. More expensive is not better. Better is better. That's right. Fuck your fuck your other shit. And sometimes taking time off from from you know the thing you love will make things better. Absolutely. Yeah. But Absolutely. but but a caveat caveat. To that statement not time off to go drink beer and lay on the couch not that there's anything wrong with it but it's probably not going to improve your practice I can when you come in you. 70 pounds heavier <laughs> like we're just i'm just like and there's nothing wrong with it to be 70 pounds heavier you can be as large or as small as you want but it will not improve your jujitsu that but i don't know right i don't know maybe it will maybe it will <laughs> you know maybe it will <laughs> but the i don't know <laughs> I don't know. And you were saying how you were, the, the Kung Fu um, of the training that you were doing, you know, people equate Kung Fu as this like the, the Shaolin Kung Fu kind of movement. But just deeper practice. than that, the uh, Kung Fu literally means in Chinese effort, cult, you know, effort and something that has been realized as a result of the effort you put in cultivation. Where if you look at the, um, the Chinese writing of the word Kung Fu, You've got uh, a line above, which represents heaven, and you've got a line above, which represents earth. And there's a line that connects the two, which represents man, meaning man is the bridge that connects heaven and earth. And if you put effort in those endeavors, you will be that bridge that connects above and below. And it's through Kung Fu, and it could be represented by physical training, but also there's no no right path, but there's all these ways to get you to have good Kung Fu. And it just means put effort into whatever you do. A hundred percent. 
a hundred percent. Like they're like kung fu is practice. That's exactly right. Good kung fu, so, good practice. Absolutely. How you know, you like, are you chewing your food like enough times? Are you enjoying the food you're life. eating? Life. Like, yeah. Do you do you practice jujitsu or do you practice life? That's right. If you if you just practice jujitsu, that's one hour a day. I practice twenty four hours a day. Yes. So, like it. it it's not it's and it's not a competition i just practice like because i practice when i used to practice to compete it was empty no matter what would happen it didn't have the the projected feeling that i thought that i would get i sold a business i didn't get the feeling i was going to get i won a tournament i didn't get the feeling i banged the girl i didn't get the feeling only when i got the feeling did i get the feeling And the thing is, you need, you needed to experience all those things to get the feeling, right? So that you can let go of the feeling. That's, that's the point of everything because that's that's our journey. Yeah, I remember when I first came to you, and and uh, I mean, we talked about this, but I, I think the listeners would really enjoy it. Um, and I was I, I was like a man whore at that time. Oh my god, I I was I was a fucking dog without a leash. And, um, and I was getting injured all the time and I couldn't figure it out. I would probably say I was addicted to sex. I was addicted to ejaculation with different targets. Basically, <laughs> that was my addiction. I, I was, I, I was always into guns, just mostly my own and different targets. Um, so, and, and I came to you and I was all fucked up and you were like, you know, it's winter time right now. You have to conserve your sexual energy. And I was like, this little, this little Asian dude is telling me not to fuck. Like, all right, keep, keep needling me. This is great. But like, he's crazy. Don't fuck. And then like throughout the years, I would think back to it because, um, I, I, uh, and then I found like Montak Chia and, and his practices, um, which were from the Taoist lineage as well. Yes. And um, and that like really resonated with me because realistically it's like have sex as much as you want. Just don't fucking ejaculate. Like yeah. keep that energy circulated through. Don't let it drive you crazy though. Like release it before you turn into a wild animal. It's yeah. the pendulum, right? Like I, I actually did this came to me today. Like I don't start my day until I finish my morning practice because... Until I finish my morning practice, I'm not a human yet. Yep. I'm just a wild animal. Yep, and that's that's okay too, but it really the practices, whatever that may be for all of us, they connect you to you. Right. Yes. And then going back to the uh, <laughs> the stories that you shared, yeah, it's um I I, I well I don't really uh, participate in uh, Taoist sexual yoga anymore because I love sex and I love to enjoy life. Um, and I enjoy the ejaculatory processes of it. Um, during that period of my life, I found it to be very uh, powerful and not for a reason why people may think or even why it was taught. It was taught so that you can cultivate, so that you can begin to access the chi, to refine it and then bring it up the spine, to bring it into the brain. So there's a whole process of mysticism and and magic that's involved in that. And it works. Um, I can tell you with, with confidence it works. And also yes. as a guy, <laughs> a certain sense of connection, and I would use the word duh, duh in Chinese means power. It gives you a sense of power and virtue by not, um, the, the, the terminology is not losing your seed each time. But um, what it really does is uh, regardless of how far you take it, 
it, give, it puts you in touch with yourself. It puts you in touch with your senses of, especially during a very primal time when you're intimate with someone else. Like, can you hold that which is meant to come out? Um, can you feel your partner and her, or for some cases, his breath as you guys are copulating? And again, not two, as the two become one. It connects you in a very powerful, primitive way. And it transcends, it transcends uh, mind. Logic. Yeah. And that's the point. It's the most powerful energy on our planet. It's the one of creation and it's the one of death. You know, one of, uh, one of my Kung Fu teachers used to say it best that uh, fighting and fucking is the same energy. It's just the, the intention is different, but mm-hmm. it's governed by the same principles. But not by much. Not by <laughs> much. Not by much. Not by much. <laughs> not by much. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's like fighting with gloves on. <laughs> like really big gloves on. <laughs> what if you don't like the gloves, man? You could just use the tip or what? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I mean, bro, it's like, it's crazy because it's, I, I, I wish like one of the things that I would upload into the teenage boys of our planet and the girls is a proper education in sex because, um, the education that they're getting that we're getting is, is, is fragmented, is, um, is Puritan, it's very fundamentalist. Um, it it's sad. Well, I mean, it truly is sad. And it's, it's conditioned by society, the media, tradition, well-meaning. Fear. Yeah, fear, definitely. Conditioning. And it really fear. Yes, I, I'm in full agreement. You know, it's, it's one of the most beautiful acts, sacred acts that can be performed in whatever way is, is, uh, that speaks to you. And it should be one of liberation and, and exploration to discover yourself through a partner. You know, um, your shadow, having, your light. Completely. You know, it's, it's, it's having explored the world of celibacy and all these cultivation methods. Um, I haven't found anything more profound than what intimacy can offer. It really, it connects you to something beyond words, something divine. And what's beautiful about it, it's not even the person you're, you're, you're with. It's, it's yourself. Just like what we're talking about with the agents, like psilocybin or psychedelics. It's already within you. It's just through the act and the experience that it awakens those those aspects of you. Your consciousness expands and awakens. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that Zen koan where um, the the emperor is standing on the mountain, and uh, and, and he. He doesn't have any like and he knows like the answer right away when he forgets like who he is and what he is and his rank. And um and he's like, man, like I, I his whole life he wished somebody experienced that with him. And then the and then the Bodhidharma comes to him and he and he asks him, he's like, What merit do I get from building these temples? And he's like, No merit. And then he asks, and whatever, and then like it's besides the point. The listeners can go and read the Koan and see and, what and they I think themselves. they should. I really, yeah. I, I love that you brought that up, Rom. I think, um, you know, you didn't have a, a, a finalization on your thought there, but I want to just validate what came up right there because I'm, I'm feeling into you too. You're, we're connecting on, a, on many different levels. And you brought up uh, a patron saint who I, I resonate and I've followed for many years. And very few people even know who Bodhidharma is. So the fact that you even brought him up Let's me know that you're you're tapping into to my field, and I love that. I appreciate that. For the listeners, um, Bodhidharma was this Indian prince, 
year, I think 500 AD, he crossed the Himalayas from India to China and was on this also, he was a missionary. He wanted to spread Buddhism as instructed by his teacher. But more than that, like all of us, he's on this process of self-discovery through the journey, right? He, he went through and, you know, um, he did what Wim Hof did, but years and years, thousands of years ago. Anyway, um, he set up uh, what we know now as Zen Buddhism. He set up the, the founding teachings of Shaolin Kung Fu. But to your point, when um, what he's famous for is he sat in a temple for nine years. And legend has it that he was so committed to his practice that he cut his eyelids off so that he would not fall asleep in meditation. Right. So if you ever see the statues of, of Bodhidharma or Dhamma, as he's known in, in, in Chinese, you'll see him looking up. What that means is his eyelids are off. He's reached the state, the state of enlightenment, nirvana. But um, when he came out after those nine years and he was looking around, the, he met the emperor and the emperor looked at him and said, who are you? And Bodhidharma returned his gaze on this emperor and said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And that's, that's the truest, wisest, spot on answer. And we stuck and it, it goes right into that statement of we need to teach our children the value of sex education. And, and from a, from a uh, not a fundamental perspective, but from a spiritual liberation perspective, you know, if, if we taught our kids to be okay with not knowing things, we're, we're, you know, the kid and the educational system is designed to get them to know things. And while I can see value in that, maybe, my process, and I, I also know your process, is to, to stop knowing things, to unlearn all the things we've learned, right? It's to decondition yeah. the things that have corrupted our souls. So I love that, that story about Bodhidharma. His response, I don't know, that is the, the most bravest response any of us can take because the truth of it is well, we know nothing. None of us know anything. And we, we can educate ourselves and intellectualize ourselves and speak so brilliantly to convince other people we know something. But hell, man, we know nothing. We know nothing. And to have um, someone declare that, from my perspective anyway, is a true testament to who they are on a, on a soul level. It's true courage. 100%. I mean, us trying to know things um, is a losing battle. Um, you're going to die. And you still won't know shit. Like you are three steps in front of a baboon, <laughs> if you're lucky. And I'm speaking from a personal perspective and a personal experience. I'm speaking to myself. This is a postcard to the future. This is how I view these podcasts. It's like a postcard of like a timestamp yes. of like Rome's or Roman Zerdiansky, whatever you want to call it. And my conversation with Paul K. Alexander, this is the timestamp. And I'm sending this fucking postcard into the future to show myself in the future of how much I didn't know. And also a postcard to the past for those of you that are a little bit more uh, out there. Uh, this is a postcard to the past to remind myself that everything is going to be OK. Like no matter what happens everything works itself out. Well, my, I love what you just did. Um, I want to share with you what went on in my mind as you, you shared that with me. You were saying these concepts of future and past, but you were, it was predicated on we don't know, right? So I love so much the Chinese language in its written form because it tells a story. 
So previously we talked about the Chinese character for Kung Fu. It's got a line above and a line below, and it's got a line right down the center, right? So what that means is you've got heaven above, earth below. Humans connect the line above. We're the bridge. But if you take that symbol, that character, and you put to the left of that line the symbol for human, in Chinese it's called Ren, it's a human looking back to the past. And if you put on the other line Ren, human, looking to the future, what you have now is the Chinese character for Wu. Wu in Chinese means shaman, right? So in this Chinese uh, pictograph, this radical, you've got the, the forces of heaven, you've got the forces of earth. You've got this human that can see the past. That could be literally this life, or it could also go into past lives. You've also got on the other side of it, the human that can see the future. It could be telling for this life or future incarnations. So what does that all mean? In Chinese, they call that Wu. What does Wu mean in Chinese? The literal translation of Wu? What is this person that can see the past, that can see the future, that can connect heaven and connect earth? Wu? I don't know. The actual translation for shaman means I don't know. Right? So what did Bodhidharma say when the emperor said, who are you? I don't don't know. know. What are we going to talk about today? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't prepare for these things. Well, you're spontaneous, and I love you for that. And it's, it's very Taoist, and it's very freeing. But ultimately, what we're getting at as we continue on here in this beautiful journey of ours is that we don't know and we're reflecting on that. But at the same time, we're seeing how by surrendering to the truth, the ultimate truth that we know nothing, look at all that are coming up, right? The things that are getting articulated or realized, experienced, just because we're admitting we don't know. How beautiful would this world be if most of us started uh, our conversation saying, listen, man, listen, girl, listen, love. Listen, child, listen, father, listen, mother. I don't know. But here we go. If we adopted that approach, eager ego dies. Ego is killed. And we open our hearts and we begin to traverse in a totally different way. And I love that. And I love how you tapped into it with your 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 podcast saying, you know, the future you is gonna hear this, but also the past. You're 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 describing the the shaman, the woo, the I don't know people. Yeah, bro. I mean brilliant. Surrender has always been really hard. Yeah. Um I'm a, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. Remind me, I think I am. So the Enneagram is like this personality test with nine different uh, archetypes. And they used it in ancient Egypt. They used it in ancient Babylon. Uh, some Buddhist sects use it. Um, some Jesuit Christians use it. It, it. For me, I look for things that link things up across timelines, across nations, like like ideas. I don't care about the dogma. Like I throw out the cup. I just want the fucking, the thing inside of it, yes. you know? Yes. Um, and this test is really intense, bro. I mean, first of all, it's super simple. I did it years ago and then I threw it out like all the other personality tests. And then um, it's really interesting because they, they each type has like a sacred need. Mm. And it's like a, until it's acknowledged, it's very hard to uh, to to move on with life. And each each one has its own specific troubles. And when you really look at it closely, because I've interviewed a lot of people that had the same number as me, um, 
it says that they share a similar childhood. Like my number, um, and, I have, and I have all of them. I am, I am that and that. It says you have all of them, but predominantly you are one, at least at first, as you figure this thing out. And mine is called an eight. It's an, it's an eight. Um, and they say it's the most intense one out of all of them because its need is to go against, like consistently go against something. And um, my, like, my, my urge is lust. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the things that really helped me um, as an eight was to meditate on the idea of letting go of my need to be right, letting go of my need for control, letting go of my need for acceptance, and um, letting go of my need to go against. I love all of the things you're sharing, Rome. And it's very, it's the commonalities of these ancient traditions. They're, they're so similar. And it's, it's shared by numbers. You know, numbers uh, transcends linguistics. We can all globally recognize the number system. And what I've seen cross-culturally, it doesn't matter what religious or spiritual denomination, nine seems to be a very powerful number. And from a, both a Buddhist and a Taoist perspective, they have this thing called the nine palaces, which it sounds to me it's very similar with what you're describing, where you're, you're, you go through these palaces of life to experience them. And then when you um, complete the lesson plan, you, you begin to evolve and you go into a different number. Sounds like to me like this one stays with you because it's predominant. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, yes, traditionally from what I've read, right? But it doesn't because I've transcended uh, one of the numbers completely, like my main one. And I was the most extreme that I've ever seen with that one because it gives you your percentage of each one. It's, I love this because it, it, like, I, it, I can understand it from the, the Taoist paradigm that I'm in, in that we seek from a soul perspective, we seek completion. So what you described is like you, you were a number, but then you, you reach the saturation point, the threshold to allow you to complete, to allow you to change, to become someone else. So yes. there's, these, there's these rites and rituals in Taoism where you can, um, once you begin to get a sense of what your destiny is, you can begin to one of two things. You can affirm it and continue on towards completion, or you can invoke change, which is a, it, it's one of the concepts in Taoism, which is really um, pushed, invite change into your life, transformation. But uh, it's all, it sounds to me like it's very similar in that once you completed the lesson plan, you can then transform it to something else, which it's, it's, um, it's beautiful because it, it teaches you that you're not stuck. No matter how painful or serious a certain state of your consciousness might be in, you know at the end of the day, there will become a, their light will return no matter what. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like my dharma or, you know, like I just feel like this, this thing that's inside of me is... Uh, or outside of me, or pulling me, is interested in depth and girth. <laughs> I won't go there, even though I want to. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, it's just like, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll state it uh, in a different way from a spiritual perspective. We're interested in, in expansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but up, up above, in the consciousness level. <laughs> yeah, like East and West, aligning East and West, and aligning masculine and feminine. Exactly. Or integrating, not aligning, but maybe aligning, maybe aligning, maybe integration is just truly like um, figuring out which puzzle pieces fit, um, not not consistently forcing them um and just like like puzzle pieces have a shape puzzle pieces have a character we have a character we have a shape we can change it yeah. it takes time um but uh there are things that fit and things that don't fit it's it's very visible even as a child like you don't stick a fucking square peg in a round hole yet our whole lives in the Western culture, we're taught that if we're not the, we're not round, we're fucked. Yeah. And what came to me recently was like, I'm perfect. You're perfect. They're perfect. Everything is perfect. Like, what is perfect? Like, well, what are we? What are, what are we talking about? Like, if I'm not perfect, then what is perfect? Because is like, pure. yes, everything is perfect. Absolutely, yes. Because if I am that and I am that, then I am perfect. Yes. Then I'm everything. Yes. Like, I don't have to be. Like something, I could be just be everything, and that's okay. You can just be, and it's um, yeah, and that's you know a play on words. It's been done to death, but that's the whole point: is to just be. We're human beings, right? So to just be, when you have that mindset that we're all one, and that there's perfection and divinity within everyone, um, it, it frees you up from judgment and pain, and it begins to enter a state. They call it the flow state. And it's something that uh, really I think most traditions are trying to guide us towards. When we're in that state of flow, we're able to really tap in to ourselves, but then to something greater than ourselves. And that's really, I've I, I found to be bliss to me. Sure, the resistance comes up and you know there's great opportunities in that. But even there, when you're able to let go of the things that are charging you and provoking you and you just keep letting go and surrendering, something else comes in and that something else is way beyond words Rome. You're, you're speaking of that we're getting there and we're teasing upon it with these attempts of, of language to get there but that thing that we're, we're trying to drive at it's it's we can't really articulate it it's perfect it's a it's a more it's a morning boner it's uh it's the package coming in at the right moment it's uh like yes. it's, it's yes. the divorce it's the sickness it's yes. the it's the failed attempt at the business or the business failing or the friendship uh, like failing or whatever you want to fucking call it in human language. It's all of that. It's yes. perfect. And it's all perfect. Absolutely. It's, yes. It's perfect. It's the man going to prison. It's the man not going to prison. Like it's all perfect. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's the way, right? It's the way. It's the it's way. Yes, absolutely. And it's, um, it's the method of conceiving the world that will give ultimately all of us peace. I mean, how incredible yeah. would this world be if we, had, we all had that worldview, right? Yeah, or not. <laughs> like, who or knows? Not. Or <laughs> I not. I don't know. Right? Uh, Aristotle <laughs> said something really interesting that resonated with me. Um, I wrote it down and he said, I'm going to read it. I don't want yeah, yeah. to mess up fucking Aristotle. Aristotle. Uh, he, he was an interesting character. Um, fuck it. 
uh, I might have to. I might have to mess up Aristotle. He said that you cannot build a city with one type of man. You need many different types of men and many different people to build a city. And um, that resonated with me a lot because... It's true. That's, yes, that's the world, right? We need, we need all of us. We're, we're all, what it comes down to, Rome, we're, we're all here because we are all what's needed right now. We need you. We need me. We need Trump. We need Biden. We need everyone because it's what's needed. So that's, I think, what yours to sum up what Aristotle was saying um, is that to build this great city, everyone that's involved is needed because that's what showed up right now. Yeah. There's no conflict. What's going on in the world right now? This is what's needed. Yeah, it's just what's going on inside of us. Yeah, like we're we're just showing, like Trump and Biden and the protests and COVID is literally just like a very clear representation of what's going on inside of our souls. Souls, specifically saying that fucking word, not spirit. (laughs) Um, And it's the battle between our spirit and soul uh, because we are like we're we're. We're perfect. We're lost, but we're per- it's perfect. It's perfect that we're lost because there's nothing wrong with where we are because you need this to get to that. <laughs> and um, it's just part of the process. Like we've, this has happened many times before. Many, 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 many times before. You can read it in all of the texts. This has been going on. It just had a different mask. It had a different flavor. It had a different name, but, you know, it was... The energy was the same. You know, you're—I completely agree with you. You're absolutely spot on. Uh, I'd love to just take a moment to articulate it from a—I uh, think—a perspective that I've been kind of grappling with that I can articulate it to people with. In that, you know, if you if you believe in science, which ultimately is about the search for the truth, um, there's a, a the law. I think it's thermodynamics. Is that nothing can be created nor destroyed. Right. So science has already proven nothing can be created nor destroyed. So when we say, okay, we've got this brand new novel coronavirus, that already challenges the face of science. They're saying this is a whole new um, situation that we're not equipped to deal with. But science literally just said nothing can be created nor destroyed. Right. So how is that? So I'm in complete agreement with you that this is nothing new. This is something that humanity has faced time and time again. And this year, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. So it goes back to what you were saying before, this concept of microcosm and macrocosm, the internal and the external, all that's happening globally is an external projection of what's happening internally within us, right? So the people that are now in this state of fear, oh shit, I'm going to get the corona. That's, they have, they're, they're fear-bodied human beings, right? And chances are very good they're going to get it because that's what they're thinking about getting. But those of us that don't have that mentality that we're like, ah, if we get it, we'll get it, we'll heal through it, or we'll die, and we're okay with that too. Um, what I've seen is that you're not going to get it, but you're also uh, at more at peace, right? So this this notion of internal, external, what if, if we can use when we have a conversation with someone, the, the global perspective of what's happening, and you hear them, and you listen to them talk, it gives you very clear insight into what's happening internally within them you know if they're so angry about this trump guy if they're so angry about the covid situation they have anger within 
if they're afraid of getting the virus, they're afraid of getting sick, they have a lot of fear in them. If those people that are like, well, this is great, there's a shutdown time, I can find my peace, this is, they have peace within them, right? So whatever a person is um, expressing that's going on in their external world, that's where they're at in their internal world. So as a, as a clinician, that always helps me because when I hear about all the things that are wrong with this world, it gives me kind of information of how I can help them see something different because I know what's going on in their internal world. There's no difference. I think Wayne Dyer actually said this, but I'm sure it was said many times before. Aristotle. Uh, no, Wayne Dyer. He said, um, "I'm terrible at humor, Rome. I'm trying to make a joke." <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, no, he said, uh, "Only when you squeeze an orange oh, do yeah. you see what's inside." Yes, and that's what we're seeing right now. You know, like you get to see what's inside of humans when when the pressure's on. Yes, are they yeah. just yeah. a coal or are they a diamond? That's exactly right. And um, I mean, this this last year for me was very challenging and I got to um, I got to destroy myself and be reborn and start to grow wings, you know, and like I realized I'm a fucking diamond, you know, like that's 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 what I realized because that's what fucking came out. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> like, that's beautiful. and that's that's very much akin to the uh, the Phoenix myth where. You know, you've got this legendary bird that rises from the ashes, but people, they, they, they attach themselves to the fact that this thing gets reborn and rises, but they forget in order to, to that, for that to happen, they got to burn. They need to get destroyed. They need to go through the fire and die in order to get reborn again. So yes. that's pretty much what you're describing. And that's the cycles of, of life. We're going to go through many of those experiences of, of, of life and death. And it's, it's all, like you said, it's perfect. Yeah, you have to be willing to die in this moment, you know. Most people aren't normal what I've experienced and, and part of uh, I think our our presence in this world is to help convince people of that. Yeah. You know, um you were just talking about science and I feel like science is even being misinterpreted nowadays because science has become political. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, um yeah. science is just a search for the truth. Science doesn't science comes with a hypothesis. Science right. doesn't come with uh, a solid belief. And even the hypothesis after it's proved can be disproved because there's the human bias. There's that human element of like the cell, um, not the cell, the atom changes when there's a human looking at it. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's quantum physics. Absolutely. So like if we go to like the depths of like these ideas, if we're really talking science, if we're not talking political or Netflix science or or anything of the sort, like most of these people are they're not hitting it on the on the, the target of what science was like science was not is was the idea of the search for truth, just like yes. philosophy. Yes, yes. And what I love about both the philosophical perspective as well as the scientific paradigms is that they understand there's no absolutes. It's always, always changing. And then you've got these um, political agendas that holds us to what was determined as truth at that point in time. But that was, it served that moment, but it's no longer truth, right? So the ability to change, that's what really helps this journey of ours to accept that, okay, maybe we're wrong. More, more specifically, the ability to accept and to declare, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is, right? That's, again, that's just not freeing, but that's truth to declare that. And then 
the scientists that are out there, they begin to search and, and hopefully will discover what the truth is at this point in time, knowing that that's going to change again in 10, 20 years. Yeah. And, and then, and then the, the other thing is like, will we ever know what they discover? Because exactly. there's well, a filter between yeah, that's, that's political. And that, yeah, that, of course. Yes. Because like Dr. Stern, like uh, the guy, like my good friend in New York, who's my business partner and a great mentor of mine, he, he, he constantly reads medical journal papers because he knows that like once it hits the blogs, it's misinterpreted. And like, it's very, it, it's, it requires a filter of human and a filter of science and a filter of caring to be able to, um, give the data, the raw data that's given in scientific and medical journals that regular humans cannot read, just like reading a fucking law statement or some sort of new legal legalese or accounting stuff, you know, um, he, he reads it and he puts a human perspective on it that actually makes some sense that you can have an actionable thing as opposed to like, this is this and figure it out on your own. So, yes, we need more people like that. Rome. You know, it's, it's, it's sad. Uh, American culture, I would say global culture in particular will, um, will trust in the powers that be that the information they're providing is in our best interest. And you and I know that's not the case. Most people that are of sound mind was that not the case, but there's a huge majority of uh, believers that they watch the news and the media, and I think that's the case without any question about it, right? And um, it's it's sad when we need more physicians like that that are willing to kind of break things down into layman's terms, so that we're not so intimidated by these jargons, which which can intimidate us. Um, but ultimately, it, it's not just the search for the truth. You're talking also philosophical. And human-wise, like we, like helping each other out to make sure that that we're at peace with ourselves, we're at peace with the situation. That's what's missing. Yeah, like looking after each other, like fucking absolutely. You know, I'm like I'm like crying right now just thinking about it. It's like we're we're missing the element of tribe. We're missing the element yes. of love. Yes. And the way that what we're seeing in the world is how much we hate ourselves. You, you nailed it. I would that, agree. Like, like, you know, I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh, you want the world to change? Treat people not the way that you would want to be treated. No, like that is a fucked up thing to do because you are a fucked up person. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. You're perfectly fucked up. And no, treat don't treat people the, the way that you think they want to be treated. No, treat people the way that you would treat yourself if you fucking loved yourself. That's a very difficult thing for people to do, but that's exactly what needs to happen. What would the world look like if we all treated each other the way we, we want to treat each other if we loved each other, if we loved ourselves? Yeah, because yeah, it all comes back to me, me, and that's okay. It's okay because, like, that, that's where it originates, you know? Well, it's the <laughs> most important thing. And, I, you know, clinically, when I have this conversation with people, uh, especially the givers, they, they, they feel like it's a, it's a self-absorbed statement. No. It's got to come from within first. You got to take care of yourself first. This is this is natural law, right? You and, can't and give what you don't have. That's exactly, and, and you can only love a person as far as you love yourself. Absolutely. That's why yeah. the requisite the requisite order is learn to accept yourself, learn to love yourself without judgment, learn to forgive yourself, and in doing so, you then do all those things for all around you, for the world. 
So yeah, it, it is all about you. That's not by any means a selfish statement. That's actually the most honest, truest statement. Love yourself. Yeah, you know what comes up for me? It's funny. It's like I, I've had all these fucking explosions these last few months. And like you just said that, and it was just like like the greatest thing you could do for yourself is to take care of another human being. The greatest thing you can do for another human being is to take care of yourself. That's the fucking yin and the yang of it. Yes. The yang of it is taking care of someone else, but it has the little, the heart of yin inside. Because there's not two, Rome. The, the person you're taking yeah. care of is you. Is you. Exactly. Is you. Yeah. It's you. It's always been you. Like yeah. you are the one you've been waiting for your entire life. It's you. Like you, you don't need anybody to save you. You don't need a leader. Like, it's you. You're the fucking guru. Like, you're the guru. You're the healer. Like, you're the businessman. Like, you're the lover. Like, you're the father. You're the mother. Like, you're all of it. And what I love about that that perspective is that when you can adopt it and embody it and live it, when you begin to see yourself as your own savior, as your own lover, as your own business advisor, things show up in the external world that matches that mindset. That's the magic where you take this approach where, okay, uh, I'm ready for new love. I'm ready for the great love of my life. And then you begin to love yourself more. Lo and behold, all of a sudden, great love appears in your life because you've changed your frequency. You're vibrating at a different level now. So you're going to bring in different consciousnesses in you for a different experience. This is the beauty of change and transformation. For sure. Like you have to... Um cultivate it inside of yourself how can you expect to eat cantaloupe or melon if you've never planted melon seeds yeah like it's just not there it's not it's not there yet it's there potentially like your gene right the cultivation comes from planting those seeds within yeah you don't have trillions of fucking sperm sitting inside of you at any given moment no your body creates them from this magical energy. It's the energy that you're limited in until you start to cultivate it. That's right. And that's, you need you know, a seed. It's like sourdough or kombucha. It's the same. Jing is like that, like the idea of that. I'm yeah. trying to continue because uh, when you say Jing, that's, that's a whole different other story. <laughs> yeah. Well, chi, right? And then, but you need the Jing to create the chi. There's the trinity um, they call it in, in Chinese medicine and Taoism, they call it uh, the three treasures. They're not independent of one another. You need Jing, you need Qi, and you need Chen. You need those three trinities um, for cultivation. So Jing is like our primal force. Jing is literally defined as a few things. Um, not the primal force. The force would be more... Qi, Jing is the substance, but it's also um, the essence. I would use the word essence of mm. who and what you are. Qi mm. is the, the force that fuels the essence because the essence has a, a blueprint. It has a, a construct, a plan, an agenda. So a flavor. Chi, a flavor. Or no, it, it's like, a, a pro, like, I guess the word really, a protocol, mm. right? It, it's got a blueprint of what it wants to do. It's, uh, I guess, genetics is another way to put it from a science perspective. Then you need the chi, and that's the force. That's the energy that will help the agenda, the jing, get realized. 
And that's all governed by spirit, by Shen, that immaterial force that will always guide you back to what your curriculum, your agenda, your genetics is meant to do. Incredible. They all knew it was three. Right? It's in every tradition. It's always three. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Mind, body, spirit. The three treasures. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. Like that, that, like those are the things to look for. Like the things that cross over culturally, that cross over politically, that cross over through time. It's and those things to look deeper into. Like it's, it's, that's the finger pointing at the moon. And if you look past the moon, there's all that, as Bruce Lee said, yeah. heavenly glory, right? Yes. Even the finger and the moon, but there's so much more beyond that. Yeah, a hundred percent. But you can only see it when you first figure out the other two, which is also <laughs> three, right? Which is also three. The exactly. finger, the moon, and everything beyond it yes. comes back to three, it's, it's which, is a, a, which is a multiple to make nine. That's exactly right. That's not coincidental. It's the most magical of all the numbers. Three. It's um, when you look at like uh, sacred geometry, the triangle is the most magical of all the shapes because it, it, it represents this concept from an alchemical perspective of fire and water, right? right? Which, which is the balance of the yin and yang. So yeah, three, always three. I love it. All right. So we're kind of winding down right now. And I want to give you like this lightning round, right? They're like quick questions um, that I think would give people like a, like a to-do, like for the type A's out there. <laughs> um, because people love stories, people love conversations, but they also want to like take something home to put into practice. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. The Kung Fu of it. Let's yes. give them some Kung Fu. All right. What is one thing that you would love to upload an idea, a belief into the minds of the world? Well, I, I mean, it, that they don't need that to happen. <laughs> I think, like you said, everyone, yeah. everything is perfect. If you, can, yeah. if you can begin to design a perspective within your own field of consciousness that everything is happening exactly as it's meant to happen, that I think is something that's going to offer the world peace. Yeah, I love it. Okay, what? let me let me, get, yeah. let me answer for the type A's. If if I if I could take back what I just said, which I think I wouldn't want to take it back, but what to do? I would say everyone spend five minutes alone with yourself, just focusing on your breath. If you want to really practice it from a gung fu perspective, spend twenty minutes a day focusing only on your breath, and when you get enough of a, a resonance or a ability. Focus on your breath in everything you do, whether it's a conversation, eating, pooping, sleeping. Focus on the breath is one of the most um, profound practices one can do. Yes, I love it. Book. The book that you, whatever, book. All right. Um, Chronicles of the Tao by Deng Ming Dao. Chronicles a close of the Tao. A close second is The Alchemist by Paolo. I love The Alchemist. Yes, yes. I would reread it uh, in my early 20s and to mid-20s. I would reread it every Christmas. It's beautiful. It really is. And yeah. a third and final for anyone interested in the philosophical aspects would be The Tao Te Ching. Music. 
Who are you listening to right now? Uh, I'm listening to everything. It's pretty eclectic. I love classical. Um, no one in particular, just this morning, for whatever reason, I love the song You Can't Rush Your Healing by Trevor Hall. Oh, my God. I was just about to ask you, do you listen to Trevor Hall? He just came out with a new album a few days ago. Holy shit. <laughs> we're, this is called Resonance Room. We're, we're resonating at the same frequency here, and I love that. Bro, I'm like, I'm like almost crying because I've been listening to it like since it fucking released. Um, the new album is amazing, bro. I'll check it out. But the, the, just this morning, I was driving, and I'm like, you know what? You can't rush your healing. It just came to mind. I also love um, Sun, Moon and Sun by Trevor Hall as well. So that's that's what it's on my yes. radar recently. The the new album is called In and Through the Body. I mean, those those two songs that you mentioned are like my favorite. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Um, what if you were a food? What kind of food would you be? <laughs> water <laughs> Ooh, I like it dangerous too but also life giving but isn't that the case right isn't that the case the most uh, the most life giving humans are also potentially the most capable and dangerous ones you, as well you gotta, you gotta have both one is not separate from the other the, the, yeah. the biggest lover you'll also find that they're the best killers yeah mm. If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? A raven. Ooh. Why? They are very smart. Um, it connects me to um, a deity who I hold dear to my heart. Um, you probably know him from the comics and the movies, Odin. But when I began my shamanic journey, um, my brain was taking over a lot and I was questioning and criticizing a lot of things I was learning. And I remember one time driving up to my parents, I pulled into the car and all I heard was a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. A second later, it, its wing of a raven flicked the side of my head and flew away. But then it came back and it landed 10 feet away from me and just stared at me. And we connected soul to soul. So I discovered what the shamans call a power animal. So when I'm asked what's your favorite animal, um, I love what the raven represents, which is the darkness, the wisdom, the mystery, the magic. Um, it connects me to this, this God force that we call Odin, um, which is uh, on a personal level uh, from a past life of mine, which was really cool. So I would be, that's a long-winded answer. I would be a raven for all that. I love it. All right. Now, theoretically, if you were dying, <laughs> what would be your last meal? <laughs> well, we're all dying, but I, I have to have one. Bro, some people that are on the podcast, when I say that, it puts them in a panic. I love it. I don't feel panic. I, I feel happy to recognize you remind me. Um, what if, when you ask me, what's your practice? What do you do on a daily basis? I always keep my death in my mind because I want to make sure that I'm living I'm living to the best of my my ability that day. So when I'm reminded of death, that always is grace to me. So thank you. Um, if I'm going to answer that question in human terms, uh, I can never say no to burgers, Rome. I love a hamburger. Beef or? Beef. Are you vegetarian? Nah, bro. Fuck out of here. I'm talking about hamburger. like some... <laughs> bro, I'm going to cook you the best meat you have ever eaten in your life. I, I get from this fucking farm that's like a regenerative farm. Oh, I'm sorry. I made I made a pork chop yesterday. 
Uh, it was, I, I don't think it was a pork chop. I think it was like a pork shoulder or something, bro. It was like, like it literally like melted in my, it's still melting in my mouth. I'm salivating already. You don't need to go any further. <laughs> and, and bone broth. Oh, my favorite. So yeah, when you come, bro, there's a lot to look forward to. It's going to be great. <laughs> burger. Awesome. Okay. What toppings do you put on your burger? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty simple. Uh, ketchup, cheese, and uh, onions, pickles, maybe. I love it. Simple. Last experience and with who? I would say my, my teacher. Um, he's, he's been doing these online courses for his, his uh, students all over the world. But what was really cool is um, on, the, on the, the laptop that we were reading, videotaping off of it, we actually captured a beautiful spirit going into one of the crystals at my office. And that was an immediate recognition that um, there's always something going on that we're, we're not able to perceive, but magic does exist and the spirit realm is real. So that, that, uh, that was most recent. And I, I love that I have it on film. I'll send you a, I'll text it to you so you can see what I'm talking about. But what it really is, you'll see this little fairy spirit going right into my smoky quartz crystal. And it was, wow. um, it was beautiful. Um, it's it just, again, it, for me, it's constant validation that the mysteries are alive. And my cultivation is, can I attune myself to see these forces? Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Last piece of advice to the fear, next generation. Fear is a liar. If you feel fear for anything, face it head on, accept it. And understand it's lying to you. It's not real. I love it. Line on, uh, I want to say on your tombstone, but you're probably going to get burned. So <laughs> like on your, before they dump you out, wherever you um, ask to be dumped out from your urn, what is your urn going to say? Be free. Oof. I love it. Bro, thank you so, so much. For joining me. Truly a pleasure, man. Like I started with this conversation, my heart uh, is alive and I feel very happy to reconnect with you. I can't see where, I can't wait to see where this journey is going to take us because I think we've got beautiful things coming up for us. And I'm with gratitude and love going to absolutely take you up on your invite. I can't wait to see you again soon, brother. Let's do it. I'm going to send you some dates, bro. Beautiful. I'll Beautiful. pick you up from the airport or whatever. It's like 10 minutes from my house. So. Beautiful. And then we'll I love you, brother. Thank you for getting in touch after all these years. Bro, it truly is my pleasure. I'm just, you know, I'm just following the spirit. Yes. You and me both. I love you, bro. Love we'll you. Talk soon. for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast. <laughs>